morning, everyone. This will be a little different message this morning, but it's something that's been on my heart for a long time. And it was on my heart because of something that happened to me. And I won't spend too much time talking about myself, but... I was reading a devotional, and it reminded me of an incident in my life. And when it happened, I didn't know exactly how to respond to it. So my action was I didn't respond at all. But it bothered me. The question that was asked to me was something that stuck to me. And I wondered why that question was asked in the first place. I know that I have strong feelings in this area, but this devotional I was reading uh, put it in perspective with a Bible answer to the question that I had. And I will try to go through it as it happened to me and the thoughts that run through my mind at the time. And the title of this message is The Sin of Unforgiveness. The discussion was about TV ministers. I mentioned the name of one to this person and she looked shocked. And she looked at me and she said, you must be very forgiving. And that's the statement that bothered me. Who am I to forgive the sins of another person? I'm no one. That sin belongs to God. Has no bearing upon me except that what the Bible teaches is about sin and about forgiveness. That minister lost almost all of his TV ministry because of a sin that he had committed. It went down to almost Almost, but not all. And that's important. And I saw, it's not something I heard somebody say. I saw that minister on public television ask God's forgiveness, ask God not to take his spirit from him, and went on, and the the ministry still diminished some, but it still didn't go all the way down to the bottom. Did God refuse him mercy? That's my question. Because of his sin, because it was made public, Did God refuse him mercy and not forgive him? I don't think so. I think God forgives. He said, if you come to me and 
ask forgiveness for a sin, he'll forgive. And it's not a condition on it. To how popular you are, how great you are, how humble you are, it doesn't matter. You obeyed the word of God and he will forgive. If he doesn't, we're all in a lot of trouble. The word says, by their fruit you shall know them. That's Matthew 7 and 20. And I would not even mention this that I'm talking about in a sermon, but it's such a good example of God's mercy and forgiveness. At present, this minister is raising $5 million a month for the work of God. He's preaching Jesus and him crucified for the remission of sins. He's supporting missionaries all over the world, sending Bibles to countries all over the world in their own language, and supporting a fairly large church and Bible school and a recording studio. I only mention this because it shows what God can do and what God will do. And another question, would God allow this much success to an evangelist who has fallen from grace? I don't think he has. I don't know of any other minister that's raising that amount of money and doing that much good for the work of God. Yes, he sinned, but God forgives. Thank God he forgives. And some of the subjects I want to address in this is judgment, gossip, unforgiveness, and mercy. And especially mercy. James 4, 11 and 12, speak not evil one of another, brethren. He who speaks evil of one's brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. Now, I know the law is Moses' Old Testament, but this this will show a point that I want to make. You're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Such a person placed himself in the position of God. When a believer judges another, he has taken himself out from under the position and placed himself
where you find nothing but condemnation. Having a little trouble with the light on this page. I have it colored and it's the wrong color. <laughs> There's only one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. And God is the only one who can fill this position. Who are we to judge another person? Satan is not the only one who likes to bring up the past mistakes of others. Christians, some love to do that. Love to point out. But they'd be awful angry if someone pointed out one of their mistakes. The Bible teaches us to forgive quickly. Don't let it fester. Don't let it take you to a point of where you refuse to forgive a person. Then you're in danger of God not forgiving your sins. It's not a place you want to be in. Once a believer has asked the Lord for forgiveness, it's ungodly, immoral, and hurtful for a fellow believer to bring up that mistake. Should not bring it up again. What right do I have to bring up something that has been erased, cleansed, forgotten, and forgiven by God? We must adhere to the words of Christ in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, where he said, for you if for if you forgive men their trespass, trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Pretty strong language. But it's the Word of God. If we bring another Christian's past, we are saying in our own hearts that the work of Christ on the cross was not enough. This next section will be mostly all about mercy. Psalm 118, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good because his mercies endure forever. And according to the Hebrew historian, this was the last song sung at the Paschal Supper, as stated by the, by the historians. 
just picture Christ singing that song immediately before setting out for Gethsemane. Let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Verse 2. Israel will repeatedly say this because of the constant failures that's in her past through and through her present. They still have not accepted Christ as Messiah. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endures forever. The priesthood was constantly failing God, doing things they shouldn't do, teaching people the wrong words. They constantly failed. Therefore, they realize that any act of grace extended by the Messiah can only be His mercy. They haven't earned anything. And actually, we haven't earned anything. It's all the grace of God. Let them who fear the Lord say that his mercy endures forever. That's four different verses that ends with the same thing. That his mercy endures forever. Psalm 23 and 4. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff. The ideal position for a Christian is to allow the shepherd to do the fighting for him. And the only fight that we are told to fight is the good fight of faith. First Timothy 6 and 12. It's comforting to know that the rod and the staff are being are beating back the powers of darkness, the darts that Satan shoots at us. This rod and this staff is our protection. The shepherd takes care of the sheep. Whatever need they have, he's there for them. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. Goodness gives us green pastures and still waters. Mercy retrieves us, pulls us back when we leave the path of righteousness. Behold, the day of the Lord comes. This is Zechariah 14, 1 through 3. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and your spoils shall be divided in the midst of you. This presents a time at the second coming and lasting until the end of the millennium. The mercy of God, Israel delivered. The church will have already been raptured and comes back with Christ when the day of God begins at the end of the millennium. And he will reign forever from that time. I know there's another page there. There it is. Verse 2, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses refilled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. And the residue of the city shall not be cut off from the city. They will have to go and fight the enemy. After the first half has been taken captivity, then the next half will have to fight to defend the city. To the last man, they think, losing their life to save the city. Ezekiel 38 and 39, chapter, Joel chapter 3, Revelation 16, 13 through 16, and 19, 11 through 21. All of these verses will say close to what this says. That captivity that the first half was taken to is, will be horrible. They will have to undergo horrible things. And I know this is not a pleasant subject to talk about, and Christians don't have to worry about it. They will be saved by God's mercy. Then, this is the time that we 
look forward to. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Great time. The enemy will be defeated forever. Now this, I know, is a fairly short sermon, but uh, I guess all the actions are going faster this morning, but uh, if the musicians want to come... Much could be said about this verse, the verse 3. But I'll stop here and stay with the subject. The mercy of God will deliver Israel in the battle of Armageddon and also deliver us as at His appointed time for our departure, whenever that is. And this I feel very strongly for myself as well as I think for the church. It's time for the praying church to return to the mountain. In the times of old when Israel went out to war, they they would come back to the mountain of God to pray. And then they would go out again. Sometimes we need to do that. We fight our battles. Sometimes we need to replenish the fuel tank. It may go dry. But if we go back, then God is able to work with us. But if if we don't go back, if we don't ask for prayer, and we just keep going along, then we gradually get farther away from God. We need our time of prayer. I know that this world is a battleground sometimes, but sometimes it's necessary to return to that secret place where we're just shut in with God. There's a place of safety from the piercing darts of the enemy. And God desires an intimate relationship with His children. God has mercy on all who come to Him in prayer. So then, since we know we will be resurrected to be with Christ, let us keep doing what God has called us to do with gladness of heart, loving and forgiving one another as Christ loved the church. 
Let's keep praying for the Holy Spirit to fill this house. That's been our theme all along. Pastor Doug has been teaching on it. And I desire, I'm sure you desire to see the Holy Spirit fill this house completely like a cloud in the Old Testament. But it's it's such a time that the shuffle, the hurriedness, the things to do will keep us from finding that time of a secret place with God. But it's very important that we all find that place from time to time to be with God. Um. I, uh, so we were at a youth conference this last weekend, and uh, this doesn't necessarily uh, touch on, the, on the, the sin of unforgiveness, but I think that unforgiveness can affect the, the impact of your prayer. You know, It can affect whether or not um, God is going to respond to you the way he would if you're walking in forgiveness. And, uh, but, but CW touched on something about the, this battle. Um, that that Christians you know really talking about Israel and going to the mountain and, and going out to fight and going to the mountain and going out to fight and and, and uh, one of the things that the speaker said at the conference is he was talking about how um, when you when you look at a boxer you know you can be the best defensive boxer or you can you can you can dodge the punches when they're coming at you but you're never gonna win the fight by just being on defense. You're never going to win just by dodging, you know. So, so as Christians, we can be um, aware of the things that we should avoid, and we can, and we can be somewhat aware of temptations and, 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 and try and avoid temptations. But sometimes we need to be willing to fight back. And so uh, that doesn't mean physically fighting back. We know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, spiritual darkness that's in the world today. And so... Um, Going to the mountain, being empowered by God, being filled with the Spirit, and and being able to speak through what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us against those principalities and powers, and praying against them, and 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 taking authority over them because we've been given authority. All authority was given to Christ, and then He gave us authority over over those powers in the darkness. So when we have uh, people in our lives that need freedom. We can pray against those things. We can battle back. We don't have to just sit and and uh, and dodge for ourselves. But um, whether we're praying in battle for ourselves in something that we feel, you know, maybe we're constantly being attacked with something, we can pray, you know, Satan, we bind you. You have no authority. I'm not going to take this anymore. You flee. You you flee. I'm. We flee temptation, but he has to leave in the name of Jesus. And so we can take authority over that and we can fight back. And so um, that was a, a little bit of a side thought on the message that, that CW gave. But, but we need to go to the mountain. We need to be empowered. We need to be filled. And then we need to not be afraid to attack. Don't always be on defense. We're not, we're not hiding in the mountain. We're being refreshed in the mountain so that we can walk in, in strength and boldness out into the world and be um, a, a, a force against the darkness. And so, um, but it was a great conference. Uh, there was, 
I don't know, probably 250 kids there. And uh, there was there was prayer for refreshing. There was prayer for deliverance from things. There was um, there was a there was a an overall uh, teaching that you don't need. Uh, a, a minister, a pastor, or, or somebody to, to lay hands on you, though, you can go to God on your own. You can go to God in, your, in a quiet place at home. And so teaching these kids that they don't have to just uh, come to a conference to get these things, but that, but that God is with them, the Holy Spirit lives in them, and that they can seek God and receive uh, a refilling wherever they are. Um, and so that was really, really good. And just any time you can get to a place where you see uh, hundreds of kids uh, just hungry for God. When I mean, when there was altar calls um, for for different things for prayer, I mean, it was fifty plus percent of the kids, you know, wanted to receive something. You know, sometimes you don't know if they all, if that specific thing that they were, you know, that they were wanting to pray about was really what was hitting their heart. Maybe it was, but I think a lot of them just they just want wanted to be closer to God. They they wanted to uh, have an experience with God, and so. It was it was really good, um, uh, you know. At these events, we get more opportunity. The the leaders do to go and stand in front of the kids and pray for them, and so it's it's just it's it's really cool to be able to um, pray for pray for kids and see them, you know, see them encouraged, um, see them let go of things that that have been weighing them down. There was. There was uh, the first message was on um, getting rid of shame and not allowing shame to separate them. You know, because not you know God is is not going to leave them, but their own shame can cause them to leave God. And so um, there was a lot of of, of kids just kind of letting go of of shame and, and allowing God to come and bring bring healing to their lives. And so really powerful conference. And so thank you all for your prayers for that. Um, and uh, we had we had a lot of fun, as, of course, as well. So we, they had a water park, and they had some arcades and stuff they did, and uh, we just had a good time traveling together as well. So um, CW prayed, but I, I guess I'll I'll pray again and dismiss and just uh, encourage you all, Lord. I just pray that uh, you would um, that you would walk with us through this week, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit would would lead us. Uh, we pray that. That if there's any unforgiveness that we harbor, if there's any um, judgmental spirit that we have as we we look at even other believers around us, Lord, that you would help us to have a, a humble posture before you, that we would um, that we would forgive, that we would walk uh, offering the same sort of grace that you've offered us, and that uh, that your love. Uh, would shine through us to the world around us, Lord, that that would be one of our uh, greatest weapons against Satan would be uh, your love poured out through us to others, that that would break the the holds that the enemy has on people, um, that it would open doors that would have otherwise been closed. Lord, I pray that you would fill us uh, with love for others that would cover um, any any sin, uh, any 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 hurt that the person may have called us, caused um, caused us or or others around us, that we would be willing to uh, forgive just as you forgive, Lord. If they, if they're repentant, Lord, um, if if they've if they've sought you, who are we to hold anything against them, Lord? For the sin is only against you. Uh, 
Lord, fill us, strengthen us, let us uh, walk in, in power and in joy, knowing that we've been forgiven, that we've received salvation, and let that joy of salvation carry us through the weeks, the months, and the years. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Tanya would like to share something. CW said, um, shut in with God. And it reminded me just at the conference that, you know, these kids are packed in and they close the doors and it's dark and their music is playing. And of course, I had Hannah with me. So then I head back to the hotel room and I'm reading in Matthew and it says, don't pray from your window. Don't pray where they can see you, but pray in private. So I encourage you this weekend to just find a place by yourself in the dark with music playing or however you pray and just spend time with him because it makes a difference. <laughs>